the fried egg requires a different technique. What you need to do is actually square the face so that it'll dig down underneath that bad lie and propel that ball right out onto the green. Here's the thing, playing out of a buried lie in a bunker is completely different than playing out of a nice, clean lie in a greenside bunker. You need to be aggressive on any shot, whether it's sitting cleanly or it's a uh, fried egg. Well, we've all faced it, the dreaded fried egg. It's not to be feared, though. It's actually a pretty easy shot to hit. Mysterious places evoke intrigue. Over its 90-year history, Seminole Golf Club has been a mystery to most golfers. Sitting in South Florida and near the top of all the course rankings, Seminole has chosen to stay out of the spotlight. As a result, not many golfers have had the chance to understand what makes it great. But on May 17th, the 1929 Donald Ross design will be on display for the entire world to see. Rory McIlroy, Dustin Johnson, Ricky Fowler, and Matthew Wolf will take Seminole on in a televised skins match called TaylorMade Driving Relief. While playable for all, Seminole is an unrelenting test for elite golfers like those four. Ben Hogan once remarked that, if I were a young man going on the pro tour, I'd try and make arrangements to get on Seminole. If you could play Seminole, you can play any course in the world. So to whet everyone's appetite for the match, I talked about Seminole's history and Ross's design with architect Bill Coor, who along with Ben Crenshaw completed a recent restoration of the course. I also spoke with PGA Tour player and frequent Seminole Pro member participant Zach Blair. Both Bill and Zach gave me some fascinating insights into what makes Seminole Golf Club tick. <laughs> well, it's 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 uh, I'm very pleased personally uh, that they're that they're doing it and that uh, people will will get a chance to see at least the uh, Seminole. It's it's one of the it's one of the very best courses in our country, and uh, it's a course, Andy, that's without question. If you want to learn anything about the state of your game, if you think you have some talent and some skill, you're going to sit on play. You'll get the answer really quick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's uh, it's it's so hard. I played it one time years ago, and it just it kicked my ass. It just... Yeah, it's 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 just uh, like Oakmont. If you want to, if you if you just if you just start feeling kind of good about yourself in your game, just go play there, and uh, you'll you'll find out very quickly how 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 good your game really is. And and that's the amazing thing is like visually, it doesn't look hard, but it's so hard. Yeah. It it is so difficult to to just consistently play shots that are that are on the greens in in puttable positions i mean you get the ball those greens are all just basic tilts for the most part number four has a, some very interesting internal contour beautiful but for the most part the greens at Seminole are just tilts and and uh boy if you're underneath the hole putting uphill good for you good for you that's hard to do if you're even with the hole on either side putting crossways, or if Lord knows if you're above the hole putting downhill, 
and the wind's blowing and you have the wind has to be putting you're putting downhill downwind well good luck <laughs> good luck to you fellow um what stands out about Seminole within his body of work his other courses well i think andy it's um you know it's it's interesting to me though it um it may be somewhat almost blasphemous <laughs> it's he managed to take a site that while it's visually stunning, particularly when you're on its borders and on the dune and the dune ridges where you, you have visibility of the ocean, it it's not a site that I would say was extraordinary in terms of its potential for golf. And it, it you know, is dominated by the two prime ridges that if you you know, for folks who've been there or played there, there's the prominent ocean ridge along which the 17th and 18th holes and of course the 13th place too and um that's right along the ocean and then there's the the major dune ridge upon which he placed holes like three and four and five and six uh, that are that are there but the rest of the property for the for the most of the rest of the holes was a low-lying basin which i have to imagine uh, just by observing it, even in current times, um, and reading about you know the process when they were working there all those years ago, had to have flooded. I mean, it had to have been you know in in extreme weather events at times it it had to be problematic because of drainage issues. So it's it's in a lot of ways it's it's like working. Uh, I don't know, Andy. I guess it's like working in a giant. Uh, solid bowl with a couple of a couple of big forks laid in there you know for the ridges so uh, i wouldn't i wouldn't say it was one of the great sites ever you know for golf and yet he mr ross managed to the way he routed the golf course and used the dune ridges to highlight the most interesting well maybe i shouldn't even say the most interesting holes but certainly the most visually interesting holes and connect those to the holes that were in the low-lying basin is just uh, beyond artistic. Yeah, it, it's a it's kind of a, a a rectangular property that's a pretty small site, right? So the routing, it, it was very creative the way he he used the got to the edges of the property and and maximized them. Correct. That's correct. That's correct, Andy. It. Uh, uh, again, it, the way he managed to go to those dune ridges were the, that were the most prominent and the most interesting for golf and then go away from them and continue to do that throughout the course. Go to them, go away from them, uh, using the high ridges and using the low basin uh, just, just created, uh, well, again, it was just a masterful routing. And and particularly when you take into consideration the uh, the angles of the holes and the the how they would play the 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 downhill shots where they are, but more importantly the uphill shots to greens and, and set upon those ridges, and then in conjunction with the influence of the wind. Do you do you have any uh, favorite like little historical tidbits that you might have picked up from your time there? You know, I think the thing to me, Andy, but being in the business that I'm in, uh, Ben and I are in, and 
um, it was it was interesting just reading about um, uh, other people looked at the site, you know, before Mr. Ross was retained to design the course. And uh, uh, if memory serves me, E.F. Hutton was the then uh, president at Seminole, and uh, uh, you know, to build <laughs> to build the course, and he talked to different. Uh, people in the design business and I truthfully don't know who he who all they talked to but I do know from reading that uh, there were other proposals that were made to design the course and the others all recommended that the primary dune bridge you know especially the one there where where holes three four five six you know those and and are that that uh, and two green and eleven green and and all that part of the most amazing part of the golf course uh, as it's now existed for all these years, but the primary dune ridge they were recommending it be knocked down, that the sand be taken from that dune ridge to elevate the basin, the low ground, and. Uh, Certainly from an engineering perspective, uh, I, I guess that would have been a very logical thing to, to recommend. It would have been a huge amount of work, you know, in those days. But uh, still, I, I could see how someone would go out there and say, boy, we've got all this giant area of basin and flat ground and it's poorly drained. And, you know, let's take all this sand from this giant ridge and we'll just elevate all the bottom areas and, and therefore we'll will make building the golf course, you know, more uh, a more pragmatic proposition. And Mr. Ross went there and I guess um, very quickly determined that <laughs> that dune ridge that everyone else was talking about, you know, dramatically lowering or even possibly, I don't know, they would have gotten rid of it all. But uh, he, he felt like that was, you know, the most interesting part of the property and that that should be uh, – the guide uh, for how to lay out the holes and to use that ridge as often as possible. Mm-hmm. And, and he did, and he did. And uh, those, you know, if you've studied the routing at Seminole, it's just, it's fascinating how many times he was able to, to create really interesting golf situations on that ridge that other people had talked about eliminating. Yeah, that's so so amazing to think about. It's uh, and then you start to think about the architects that would have, you know, thought about doing that. It's, it's even more fascinating uh, given that time because there weren't right. that many earth movers. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, it truly was. It was a fascinating. I mean, I I could walk out there and obviously I could go. Well, yeah, I can see it logically, mm-hmm. engineering wise. Pragmatically, yeah, there's all the sand you could ever need right here in this big ridge. Let's just take it and put it down there, you know, <laughs> take it and put it on both sides of itself, and and uh, we'll solve the issue here, the drainage issue. And instead, Mr. Ross used it to to make the what I think could pretty easily be said are the most visually appealing and uh, perhaps the most strategically interesting holes on the golf course that are integrated into that dune ridge and then went into the basin and built a series of canals and lakes and to be able to deal with the, the issues there. Mm-hmm. 
What are a few holes that really stand out to you? Oh, well, we've, I guess we've, you know, most anyone that's played golf has seen photographs of the, uh, you know, the 17th hole, the 13th hole, the, you know, the the 18th hole. Uh, uh, but I, I have to say number four, <laughs> number four, which which runs right on top of the primary dune ridge that's internal to the property is is both one of the most interesting fascinating holes and beautiful holes not just how he laid the <laughs> laid the hole right on the top of the ridge running down there but how how the bunkering was then placed in in both strategic and uh, visually interesting positions and the influence of the wind on that hole that uh, it 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 may be my personal favorite there. You talked a little bit about the uh, you mentioned the cl- a few of the closing holes. Talk a little bit about the what viewers are going to see with the closing stretch uh, of Seminole. Well, uh, from <laughs> oh gosh, really, the tenth hole starts out a very flat hole that plays away from the clubhouse and uh you know it's an interesting hole it's a it's it has water influence of water uh short left of the green and but it's a very flat hole it's just totally in the in the lower basin there and then 11 starts out goes with tee shots across water and then and then to a second shot uphill to a very difficult green set up in one of those primary dunes and extremely influenced by the wind. And then from that point, it's down, down off the dune, it, it, the tee shot down off the dune at 12 into a low lying fairway and a, and a greens down lower. And then probably what you're most referring to is when you, when you, come from 13 inward 13 to par three that plays from low in the basin the green set up again up into the primary dune right at the ocean 14 playing back from there back to another through the low ground back to another high spot in the dunes 15 a hole that a lot of us have seen and probably very interesting to folks watching on tv a second consecutive par five 14 and 15 are 15, you know, playing off a high spot in the dune, but the rest of the hole is all in the low basin, and it's a, it's a split fairway hole, Andy, with uh, the right-hand side of the fairway being the the preferred line for, certainly for the players that are you're going to watch on television, um, the left-hand side fairway being more for, you know, membership and, and less accomplished player use. And the two fairways are split by a sequence of bunkers between the two. So you think back and you think, well, we've, you know, particularly in more recent years, we've seen uh, quite a few split fairways. Um, this was one of the very early ones. So it's uh, it's interesting architecturally, not just because of uh, how it would play and, uh, and, and the split fairway aspects, but it's you know it's um, it's uh, impact on golf architecture again in America. This is this is one of the early ones, and from there on, you just go through certainly the holes that are the most dramatic, 
will be the, the par 317th playing from the dune ridge right adjacent to the ocean to a green set against the dune ridge just on the inland side of the same dune ridge at the ocean and then the tee shot on 18 from the ocean going across some diagonally across some beautiful bunkers to a lower uh, a lower piece of fairway but then back up onto the dune ridge at the green to finish those are beautiful holes and they're extremely influenced by the wind. So Dustin Johnson talked a little bit about how he always feels like he, he's going to go light, light the course up there and shoot a really low number, but he never does. What do you think about the Seminoles design has allowed it to really stand the test of time, even with the long hitting distances of the best players today? Well, it's it all starts with the 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 greens and the green sites, uh, and particularly those greens that we've just talked about that are set up into the dune, up on against or occasionally up on top of uh, the primary dune ridges. There, uh, those greens, you know, when they're up, and and most of the greens. Even the ones that are low down in the basin are still raised above the floor of the ground around them. And a little bit like Pinehurst in the sense that they roll off at the edges, they are crowned not as severely as Pinehurst, number twos, but they do have a great tendency to shed balls. They don't collect balls very easily. And so when you're when you're trying to play to these these putting surfaces, and um, frequently these putting surfaces are an elevation higher than where the players are playing from, and playing, you know, with wind either at your back, off the left, off the right, into you, or quartering from all directions, it can be very problematic. I don't care how far they hit the ball. I don't care. You could you could stand up there a little like I once heard it said by a, a very good player about about Pinehurst number two, you could, you could give the best players in the world, you know, let them play from 150 yards on every hole, and it still wouldn't be that easy. And I think Seminole's somewhat like that. The influence, the, the concave nature, the rolled-off nature of the edges of the greens, the speed of the greens, the firmness of the greens, and all combined with the angles you play into them, and the wind directions, and of course, the velocity of the wind at times, just makes it very problematic to be successful there time after time. You you led in perfectly to, to my next question. You, you've restored both Seminole and uh, Pinehurst number two, probably two of the arguably the most famous, two of the five most famous Ross designs for sure. What are, you know, the greens have some similarities. What are some of the biggest differences between the two? And obviously, I think most listeners will be very familiar with Pinehurst number two, but, you know, they'll be seeing Seminole, most of them for the first time. Well, the greens, as I say, they're similar in the sense that they're inverted saucers, you know, generally at both courses. Number two course, uh, the greens being much more severely crowned or rolled off on the edges and then at Seminole, but Seminoles being more influenced by the wind and oftentimes more elevated in terms of the 
you know, the elevations from which you're playing from uh, up to the greens. And, and sometimes they reverse down, but uh, they're, they are, they are similar. They're similar in the, in the sense that uh, I've always believed that, um, you know, certainly pioneers number two, we've read about how uh, Mr. Ross believed that was the second shot golf course. You know, the tee shots were played to set up the second shots and the second shots were the most important shots at number two. I, I've never read um, that he said that about Seminole, but uh, you know, you look at, look at, probably a lot of his golf courses and you, you could probably make that argument. And I, I have an idea that um, if you were to talk to the best players, you know, who play at Seminole, you, you might uh, find that they would agree with that. Uh, the fairways, much like number two course at Seminole, the fairways are, are generously wide and, um, and they look like they're, oh, they're very forgiving. And uh, certainly the ones in the basin are very flattish, the, the fairway contours. And and the ones up on the dunes, of course, not so much. But uh, I would think the very best players can look at, at the tee shots and say, okay, I can see what's required of me here. And it's I, I, I can do this, I can do this, I probably feel pretty comfortable when confronted with the, the approach shots to those greens, knowing how easily those greens could shed balls. And at Seminole, more so even than Pinehurst number two, when the ball doesn't stay on the putting surface, it rolls off down the sides. It can be much more problematic than at number two because the elevation can be greater the ball can get away further from the greens or get into sandy areas and things uh, that can be even more problematic than number two course. Yeah. It's got a, a little bit more dramatic land. It's got some flatter portions than Pinehurst number two, but then, you know, the, the dramatic, the ridges provide a little bit more than, and you know, more peaks than any part of number two, right? Correct. Correct. Yeah. The elevation change. Well, of course, at number two, uh, the fourth hole, the fourth and fifth holes, the two holes that have each been par fours in their in their lifetimes and been par fives in their lifetimes. So they the fourth hole has more elevation change, and the fifth hole is probably, I would say, I don't know the exact, but I would say somewhat comparable to some of the holes at Seminole. But uh, generally speaking, yes, you do have more uphill shots and more downhill shots. Uh, at Seminole than you would uh, uh, at Pinehurst number two. And it's much more open in terms of uh, trees. Uh, Seminole has palm trees and, you know, some beautiful trees, but uh, the wind is much more of a factor at Seminole because it literally lies immediately adjacent to the ocean and the ocean breezes whereas Pinehurst is inland and it's um, all the holes are framed, although far out uh, from the lines of play, but they're framed by uh, pine trees, which uh, often masks the wind. And so, uh, or at least diminish it. Yeah. That, uh, that South Florida wind can be just unrelenting. It can be just, just yeah. killer. So if last question, you know, we've talked a lot about the greens and, um, 
What if you were gonna if you could take one of the greens off Seminole and put it in your backyard? Uh, which one would it be and why? Well, I guess uh, I guess Andy, uh, I have to say I've never thought of that, but uh, <laughs> um, I guess it would be seventeen. I mean, uh, you know, I guess because we most often think of of shortish par three holes to have that have really interesting greens, whether you're thinking about the 15th at Cypress Point, the seventh at Pebble Beach, and the, you know, that sort of uh, throughout the history of some of the best courses in the world, it's been some little, some shortish uh, par threes. And uh, the green at uh, the green and the bunker configurations that, uh, at 17, it's Seminole, are just fantastic. It's a very simple green, just very simple sort of a, uh, a bit of a oval, not quite an oval, but sitting there just slightly at, at an angle, uh, you know, to the line of play and surrounded by beautiful bunkers on all sides. And you're, <laughs> you're standing on the primary dune ridge with the ocean, you know, to your left and, and sort of behind you and you're playing toward this beautiful green and bunker configuration and, and the palm trees swaying in the background and the clubhouse further down in the background. And uh, it's pretty neat. It's a pretty neat setting. And uh, I guess if we're going to try to recreate some setting of uh, uh, South Florida in my backyard, uh, it might be something like that. <laughs> That's uh, it. Would be a tough thing to recreate in in the desert, you know. <laughs> it would, it would. But it's uh, it's memorable, and it's. Uh, I think it would be a very interesting hole, as as all of them will be. But very interesting to watch uh, watch the players take a crack at. All right, so DJ talked about how he always feels like he should light up Seminole when he goes and plays the Seminole Pro member, but he never does. Why do you think that is? I think just uh, for a lot of reasons, honestly. The uh, If the wind's up, it's obviously a much different golf course. And then the green complexes and the surrounds, it's more of – like the exterior contours of the greens are so diabolical that anytime they get pins close to edges, you're right on the edge of disaster anytime you're hitting a shot. So if you don't execute perfectly, which sometimes is hitting, you know, 20 feet away from the hole, you end up in really, really bad spots. And that's why that place is so cool and so fun. That's what's the experience that like playing in that Seminole pro member. It's awesome. I mean, it, the course is obviously always mint. It's cool being around that many really great players and, you know, the whole membership gets behind it. And, you know, obviously Bob Ford has done an unbelievable job getting kind of the lineup that he gets. And it's just really cool to see everybody come out for it. You know, all the good players, all the memberships out there kind of walking around watching you know, he gets all the pros from these really great clubs to come out and help. And it's just really cool. It's something that's really cool to be a part of. They, uh, so I think the vast majority of the public's most familiar with Pinehurst number two, uh, you know, Donald Ross, a great Donald Ross championship course. 
what are some similarities and differences with Seminole and, and Pinehurst? I would say the green complexes have some similarities in kind of those rolled edges and that kind of like turtle shell type green. Uh, where they're different is at Seminole, it's bunkers around all the greens and not as much short grass. I can, you know, there's some short grass in front and behind some of the greens, but honestly, it's usually just all bunkers. Like one, there's bunkers left and right. Two, there's bunkers to the right and kind of a hill to the left. Three is kind of the opposite bunkers left, hill, right. Four bunkers kind of right and left. Five bunkers all over the place. Six bunkers all over the place. Seven bunkers right and left. So it's just at, at, at Pinehurst number two, you kind of have a bunch of greens where there's short grass. If you miss the green, it just kind of goes down into these collection areas where at Seminole, you're in a hazard and they're really, really tough. <laughs> What what are some of your favorite things about, about Seminole? I just think it's so cool how that place can play so different day to day or even round to round. If you played two rounds in one day, it, you know, you can get out there and the wind can be down and you can light that place up and then you could go back out after lunch and have it blowing 20. And if you break par, you would be, you know, really happy. The wind blowing 20 there is different than normal blowing 20 right yeah i mean it's a it's obviously you know right on the ocean so it's a pretty stiff breeze most of the time but the way the course is routed um you know you're always changing directions kind of going in those triangles so you just never really get like a good beat on the wind you know you'll play one hole cross and then next hole maybe you're down and then the next hole you're in. So it's just kind of all over the place. And, you know, you would think it would be so easy because, you know, you know, the ocean's just right over there. You, you know, which way it's coming. But again, just the way the green complexes are, and, and they're so just simply diabolical, you just have to execute so perfect. And it really is one of those places, like if you're a really good player and you want to go learn how to execute approach shots. It's a really cool place to go and play because if you, if you're just off a little bit, you know, you kind of get punched in the face, which is, it's fun to go. It's fun to go kind of learn how to play golf out there. It seems to always kind of hold its own, especially if the wind's up. I've heard you talk about that where you, you know, almost have to really play golf the right way. Can you talk about that a little bit more? I mean, there's just a lot of places where you can kind of get away with average shots or average ball striking or anything, even average putting or out there. It's not a particularly long golf course, obviously, and it's not a particularly narrow course by any means. You know, you can hit it not all over the place, but, you know, there's plenty of room to play out there but really kind of from the fairway in and then even around the greens, you just have to do the right stuff. And like I said earlier, that might mean, you know, playing to the middle of the green with a lob wedge, which you don't, you know, it's so out of character to not treat a lob wedge like a green light, but there are some situations out there that if you try and hit a great shot, 
with any club and you don't pull it off, you bring like five, six, seven into play just because of how hard and tough it is around those greens. I mean, there's even greens out there. There's even greens out there that you can hit the green in one, you know, like a par three, like 13. I mean, you can knock it on that green in regulation and like put it off the green and make like fives and sixes. So if you don't put it in the right spot, you know, you got to stay under some of those holes. And if you, even if you hit an okay shot and it's above the hole, you're really going to have a hard time making pars. Do you, do you have any personal experience of, of just like a, where you thought you were in a good spot and, and you just end up making a complete mess of it out there on a particular hole? Yeah. I mean, 13, I've knocked it on the green, like 10 feet and made like five or six, put it off the green in the bunker. I mean, there's so many holes out there, like, what is it? Six? Yeah, six. I mean, you can hit a great shot in there and just barely, barely miss. And it goes in the left or right bunker and you can just play ping pong there and just have, you know, a really hard time getting it on the green. That's, that's a pretty short par four too, right? Yeah. I mean, it's probably like a, like a three wood eight iron type hole you can kind of force one up the left, but if you, you know, if you don't pull it off, you know, you're in a tough spot again. I mean, they're, they're the par threes out there are really, really good. I remember at the pro scratch this year, all I wanted to do, like my whole goal was to just hit every par three, you know, in regulation. And I almost did it, but I missed number like four, five, I think it is. And just short left in the bunker hit a bad shot, but it's just one of those courses. You just got to execute. It's like so simple, but so hard because the moment you start pressing at that course and trying to make it happen or trying to hit close shots, you just, you know, you can get in really, really tough spots where then it's impossible to recover. And then, you know, you get even more over par. So it seems like it's like if you it's a course where it lets you really get it going, but if you're just a fraction off, it's you know you're gonna have a really tough day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the first time I played there, it was blowing like probably like twenty five, like just solid all day. I bet I three putted like eight times. I mean, I shot like high eighties, like no joke. <laughs> and then I went out there like literally two days later in the morning, no wind and shot like 62 or 63. And you're just like, I just beat myself by 20 shots, like at least 20 shots. I beat myself by in, in the you know span of two days where I didn't feel like I played much better or much worse in either round. But that's how, if you're just off by a little bit out there, you know, it's, it's really, really tough. You mentioned six and par three, 13. What, what are maybe a couple other holes that you really like out there? I mean, there's so many good ones, two and 11, you know, kind of up that Ridge are really cool holes. I love that stretch of three to three and four, three is kind of like a pretty simple dog leg, right? Par five that's reachable. And then four is like a beast par four. And kind of the saying out there is if you play those holes in nine, you know, that's basically par. So whichever one, if you get three into the wind, it can be tough and a five's okay. And then you can make four on four. But if you get 
three downwind, you know, it's an easy hole to knock it on in two, but then four becomes impossible. Like from the new back tee, I've hit like driver three wood, like full wedge. It's just so long. And then I really like that stretch of 12, 13, 14, 15, that 14, 15 back to back par fives. Really cool. And uh, like I said, the par threes out there are really special, really tough. Just got to hit really good shots, but it's kind of a good mix. You know, you get some wedges out there, you get a couple holes that are long irons, par threes are good. And it's been cool to see they've done a good job with the new tee boxes they've put in over the last four or five years for that Walker Cup coming up. So it'll be fun to watch these guys um, play. You know, I expect people will play pretty well unless the wind's up. And then it also kind of depends on where they put the pins, because if they get some easier pin locations, you know, it can be friendly. But if you get some tough ones, you could see some big scores, which would be kind of cool, too. It'll be it will be interesting to see how they set it up, because usually skins game, they're looking for birdies, but who knows what they'll do, you know? It really is, though. I mean, honestly, the more I think about even if even if there are some easier pins, there's not like too many layup like shots out there. If that make like not layup layups, like there's not too many like super, super easy shots where you're like, okay, this pin's going to be in a funnel, you know, they're going to get it close here. So if guys are trying to make birdies, you'll see some big scores, which will be cool. That's why that place is so good though. You know, you, if you, if you go out and try and get it and you pull it off, you can hit good shots and make birdies and eagles. But at the same time, if you go out and try and get it and you don't pull off the shots, you can make bogeys and doubles, which is nice to see that variance. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the most entertaining golf because it's asking you, because it's where if you don't go for, if you don't try the shot, you're not guaranteed to have make a par, right? Because you're going to have a tough putt if you're 25 feet away. It's that I think that's the the best golf where when you try and push it. Ogilvy talks about it all the time with Augusta. Is like it's a really easy course to shoot 72. It's a really difficult course to shoot 66. And when you yeah. start trying to shoot 66, that's when you shoot 76. Yeah, totally. 